Hey gang, it's been forever since we talked about the 80s cruise. It's still on. It's set for March 6th through 12th, 2022 on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas, sailing from Port Canaveral to Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Martin. The bands. It's all about the bands. For 2022, the Human League, 38 Special, Berlin, Berlin to Carlisle, Morris Day and the Time, ABC, Dire Straits Legacy, Modern English, I'm Running Out of Breath. Jack Russell's Great White, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, A Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, The Sugar Hill Gang, John Parr, and Johnny Hates Jazz. Also performing, I'm seriously running out of breath. These lists, they can't get any longer. Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s trivia band from New York City, and Strange Love, a Depeche Mode tribute band. And of course, the party band, Trial by Fire. Still not enough? How about the original MTV VJs, Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and Nina Blackwood, along with Sirius XM first wave DJ Larry the Duck. Oh, and also me and Brad will be there doing live podcasts and hosting all your trivia sessions. You can get... $200 in cabin credit if you use the promo code STUCK when booking. You must be a first-time uh, guest on the cruise to use this promo code, and you must use it when you book. Come with us and have a great time. These are the cruises. These are the vacations that you never forget. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we honor the late, great Shabadoo, the godfather of street dancing, by casting a long overdue light on his work in breaking and breaking to Electric Boogaloo. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Couldn't be happier to say this, but joining us today, she's our own special J. It's Jen with one N. Oh my god, I have a special street dance name. <laughs> that is so sweet. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Special day. <laughs> Actually, I, I hate to break this to you, but in, in honor of the passing of Shabadoo, who passed away at age uh, 65 in December from complications of COVID-19, I have been inspired to use an online rap name generator. I'm terrified. To give, <laughs> to give the three of us our official rap names. Are you ready? Wait, is mine generator? <laughs> oh. Oh. That's that's oh. strong. That is very there strong. Is. Jen, you are now Jenny J. Box, aka Lady Flame. This this is a real thing. I found it online, so it oh, must be well, true, if it's right? On the, if it's on the internet, then it's one hundred percent. 
My chosen name was S Bash, aka Saucer Mix. I just, <laughs> I just kind of like that. I kind of like that. And Brad is Brad W. Sol, aka Count Clip. Hmm. You know, I've, I would have normally just gone with Rad B, but I kind of like Count Clip, I have to say. You know, I don't hate Lady Flame. <laughs> <laughs> but you Saucer know, mix. when you guest on people's records, this is something that my daughter pointed out to me. When you guest on other people's records, the first thing you have to do is call out your name so everyone knows it's you. Count Clip! <laughs> Ludacris. That would be fun. I, I, I love. I don't normally go for the uh, the name generators, but I thought today it was in order because there's no way we could come up with Count Clip and. That's pretty good. Yeah, usually it's like the first initial of your middle name and the street you lived on when you were four. Oh, like, yeah, what you had for breakfast. Clever. So it's like, okay, I'm Steve Maple <laughs> SpaghettiOs, <Yeah. laughs> Oatmeal Clip, Yo. <laughs> I had eggs. Okay. <laughs> mm, nice. I was in a hurry. I had a podcast to record. Party slip for you, Miss Parker. And one for you, McFly. I believe that makes four in a row. Let's talk a little bit about Shabadoo. We were all, I think, kind of stunned when the news came that he had passed away in late December from complications of COVID-19. It's it's becoming a a refrain on the show that, you know, every time this happens, we we all just kind of go, wow. And we, we race to social media and we share the news and... And you just kind of sit back and see who it affects. And I was really shocked by how many people messaged me or how many people commented on the post about this. Like, everybody loved Shabadoo. Well, it's not to love. Yeah, truly. As soon as it happened, I thought, let's we, – we haven't there's, – there's a million movies we haven't done yet. But Thank goodness. But otherwise, we wouldn't have a show. But I thought this is a good time to talk about Breakin'. I had just seen Breakin' to Electric Boogaloo, and I'm not going to make any jokes about Electric Boogaloo. But the man himself kind of escaped me. And like, I, you know, I know his name, I know his face, but I don't know, I didn't know much about him. He, he led such an interesting life and had such an incredible career. A couple of Christmases ago, I got from my best friend, Lucy, three figurines in packages unopened of Turbo Kelly and Ozone with their outfits on from, from the movie. And yeah, um, I remember you talking right, about so that. So I mentioned it and, and somebody wrote in and said that that uh, they lived in L.A. and that Shabadoo was still teaching dance classes. So I just yeah, wanted to... Yeah, that's, that's um, Chops Johnson. Yes, exactly. And I just wanted to, to, to mention that, you know, he was still dancing. He was still dancing. Born Adolfo... Uh, I'm not going to get this right. Gutierrez. Quinone? Quinone. Gutierrez Quinone. Quinone? Right? Uh, we're gonna go with that. We're gonna, gonna give you. Him. We're gonna give you credit for that one. Yeah. Anyway, he was born in 1955. So yeah, he's a little older than me and Brad. A lot older than Jen. Born in Chicago to a Puerto Rican dad and African American mom. He, he had a sister named Fawn who would become a, a regular as a dancer on Soul Train. They were pretty much raised by mom from the age of three. He would strike his first dance moves as a boy growing up in Chicago. And then here's what's really interesting. And I, I guess probably a lot of people know knew this, but because I, I guess Brad and I aren't weren't the biggest breakdancing fans. Well, um, you know, it's something I appreciated, but I didn't actually participate in. Sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure I would have broken bones. <laughs> you know, bones. us tall white guys, maybe we could do the robot. Maybe? But it wouldn't be intentional. That'd be the problem. Yeah. It'd just be stiff delivery of, it's would like, oh. you like to go to a movie sometime? <laughs> he formed a, a breaking group called The Lockers. And The Lockers had Tony Basil. Yes, that Tony oh, Basil. man. Don Campbell and Fred Berry. Who remembers who Fred Berry is? 
Rerun. Is up. Rerun. Oh, Rerun sorry. From... I raised my hand. Rerun. <laughs> no, that's fine. Rerun from what's happening. You're thinking the lockers. I've heard that name somewhere. I've seen them, right? Yes, you have. They were on TV shows like Saturday Night Live, Soul Train, Carol Burnett, The Tonight Show, uh, Midnight Special. They were on stage at Radio City Music Hall, at Carnegie Hall. They performed at Disneyland. And they even had this memorable appearance in this commercial for Schlitz Malt Liquor. Look out for the bull. Look out for that shit small liquor bull. Nobody breaks small liquor like shit. Nobody. Obviously, the, the medium of podcasting does not allow us to, to show you the, the full richness of the, the lockers. majesty and spectacle of their performance. Pitching high alcoholic beer. Um, so we'll, we'll post the clip in the show notes. Or just, just Google Schlitz Malt Liquor and the lockers and you'll find it. It pops right up. And it's, it's, it is so much fun to watch. One thing I was never able to figure out is who knows the story behind the nickname Shabadoo? Well, Steve, I did some research for the show. I know. Shocking. <laughs> It took a little digging, but I did find out at least the one origin story. The Hollywood Reporter uh, had in a story about when he passed, they said that, quote, after his mother brought him and his sister Fawn to Los Angeles, Shabadoo was dancing in clubs around the Crenshaw Strip when he changed his street dance name from Sir Lancelock, which is fantastic. I know. <laughs> Shabadabadoobop, which is less good. Eventually shortening it to Shabadoo at the suggestions of Greg Campbellock Jr. Pope. So oh, nice. apparently it went from Sir Lancelock, which I would have had a hard time moving off of that because that's that's great, to Shabadabadoobop, which is too much, to Shabadoo, which is perfection. Yeah. Why not Sir Lancelock? I, Sir Lancelock is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> it, it does seem a little bit like a punchline, but I, I love it. So 1976 rolls around. Uh, some of the members of the lockers leave the group and go their own way. You know, um, Fred goes to, to what's happening. Tony Basil goes on to uh, cheer about Mickey. And Adolfo goes into choreographing music videos. And so he did work for Lionel Richie, Madonna, Luther Vandross, among others. And uh, in 1980, I'm proud to say, <laughs> he made his first movie appearance in a little-known film called Xanadu. 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 Can you hear my eyes clicking back in my head? Can we stop talking about this movie, please? <laughs> Most downloaded show of 2020. Yeah. Show you what a bad year that was. The, the, Xana, the Xana guys got us going there. Xana dudes. And so that brings us to 1984, where we find him this week for our discussion of Breaking. Thanks for the dance. Sure, anytime. Maybe we'll see you again, huh? Maybe. And who knows? With a little work, you'll be popping and locking and breaking in no time. Who, who remembers seeing this movie in the theater? <laughs> oh, boy. <Sorry. laughs> Here's the problem. I'm going to say this right off the bat. 
1984 was a great year for movies. So many of the movies that we love and adore were released in 1984. Um, Footloose, Starman. <laughs> That's a joke only our Patreons get. Dune. But no, it was, it was a huge, fantastic year full of movies. Break-In comes out trying to capitalize on breakdancing, and it, it probably gets a little lost. But So in case you haven't seen it, and we're guessing in the case of probably at least three-quarters of you, you haven't. Uh, Jen, why don't you catch us up on what happens in Breaking? Yeah, it's incredibly complicated, you guys. The plot is hard to follow. <laughs> no, it is not hard to follow. I just want to point out that I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it on cable a lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah, sure. So, um, sure. so here's the basic story, right? There's a young jazz dancer. She claims to um, be, be what did she say, sneaking up on 20. So she's quite young. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate for the actor's age, but her it's name. On the other side? or yeah. yeah, right. Her name's Kelly, and she does jazz. She does the jazz, which is a lot of like arm arm movements and, and uh, attitude, just think kind of a solid gold. demonstrative. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. So she meets up with a couple of street dancers. Um, and we don't know their, li- I guess, I guess we do. Turbo and Ozone are their names, right? Those are their break dance right. names. And so they get together through a series of <laughs> sloppy events that happen very quickly at the beginning. They become like these great dancers, the, this great dance, um, dance group. And if you'll think about it, Turbo, Kelly, who becomes a uh, special K and Ozone, TKO. You see what they did there? TKO, right? Mm. Yes. Nice, nice. <laughs> okay. 80s family. All of us have seen at least one Golan and Globus oh, movie. Oh my gosh. If not 20, right? Like these are the yeah. guys responsible for. Yeah. Uh, 20 Charles. was like six months worth of outcome for them. I mean, they, they cranked out so many movies. So many movies, like action movies, then dance movies, whatever was the trend and whatever would make money, these guys did it, right? Um, yeah. So they saw, they smelled this trend coming and they were like, we got to get this movie out about breakdancing. This movie is not about fine acting. I'll just. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah talk about the robot yeah mm. it's just not but so the idea for the movie came from um menahem golan one of one of the one of the uh producers his daughter who was at the beach one day and saw a bunch of break dancers performing and so the, so her idea was break dancers <laughs> so he, they kind of put a story around it there's there's some conflict but yeah we'll talk about the dancing in a bit because i think that's the star of the movie not so much the plot or acting. Let me just tell you, I had never yeah. seen this movie until I watched it for the this podcast, Gentle Listener, The Things I Do For You. It's shocking. What I told Steve before I watched it, I was totally expecting what I called a Reese's uh, commercial plot. You got jazz dancing on my break dancing. No, you got break dancing on my jazz dancing. Hey, this is terrific. But... That's not what happens at all. There's once she goes to the street dancing, they don't they don't learn anything from her. They teach her everything. Right. What's what's interesting is there's these breakdancing fights that that break out randomly in the movie, which is parodied so brilliantly like decades later in <laughs> Zoolander, yeah. you know, where they're at, at the fashion show because oh, <laughs> they're breakdance fighting. It, as soon as I saw it happen in Breakin, I'm like, "Holy crap. That it, it, it's it's like they retro stole a joke from 40 years in the future <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it happens we're not we're not gonna beat each other up we're just gonna bust yeah, you down I, with uh, our yeah. moves well that was those are great scenes because they're dance scenes the cast here is, is pretty 
pretty straightforward. So you've got uh, Kelly, um, Special K, which sounds like a drug or a breakfast cereal. Breakfast cereal, I, I everyone knows decide. that. Yeah. Special K, I think, is a drug in one of the uh, Jump Street movies. Uh, so, good just to so know. you know. I yeah. think. It's, it's ketamine. I, I read articles in Rolling Stone in the 80s. That's what that was. Okay. Lucinda Dickey, anyway, is the name of the actress you're looking for here. Uh, Adolfo is Ozone, a.k.a. Orlando. Michael Chambers, a.k.a. Boogaloo Shrimp, plays Turbo. And he was yeah. only 16 when he did this movie. <laughs> baby face. Baby face 16. I thought it was really funny how the, the characters um, are like, that's our street name, but you don't get to call us that. You have to call us by our real name. Oh. I'm like, wait, <laughs> okay, they didn't go the other way? Like, they didn't say their real name ever. <laughs> they did at the very beginning. Oh, no, when, when, when Kelly first meets them, yeah. they're like, you don't get to call us Turbo and Ozone. I'm Orlando and that's Tony kind of I'm like wait that's kind of turns it on its head. Yeah. Usually it's the anyway. Here's the more fun part. When you, I love going back and watching these movies for the first time either ever or or first time in a long time. You get to see these characters and you're like wait a minute is that <laughs> Shooter McGavin playing the agent and sure enough Christopher McDonald makes has a sizable role in this movie playing Kelly's yeah. agent or new agent who promises to uh Get her away from the sleazy uh, jazz coach that she's with, and bring her into a He's greater a good guy. riches. I wanted to point that out. He's a good guy in this. He is. Kelly it was only the first day. There's nothing to be discouraged about. In fact, there are plenty of auditions coming up. As a matter of fact, there's something big developing in the dance community right now, and I'm trying to get the facts. Sounds great. Kelly, you okay? I mean, you sound really down to me. No, I'm all right. Oh well. Uh, are you eating? There's still like I'm, I'm telling you, there's like this little, little small gray cloud of of creepiness that just hangs over his head. That you're just waiting for him to yeah, do something. Yeah, you really kind of are. I'm a little overdressed but, for this club. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Strip down? Come on. But then he never does. He just acts <laughs> yes. on their behalf. <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah. He just he's like nice. I got you some studio space <laughs> and these nice jackets. Let's go. I'm going to get you into the audition. He actually does wear an agent's supposed to do. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a um, a club MC. Who's played by Ice T? And it's 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 so yeah. much fun to see him, you know, ten years before anyone else yeah. really knows who he is. <laughs> so is he the guy who decides who wins the breakdancing battle? Sort of. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, that was kind of fun. I'm like, I don't. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was like the plot of Rocky 1, 2, uh, and 3 all rolled into one movie. Together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, except for far, far less blood. The If you're really eagle-eyed, if you're really paying attention, look very carefully in the first street dancing scene where Kelly meets Orlando <laughs> and Tony. You'll see a man in a black singlet clapping along to the music. It's, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's his very first screen appearance, so... He's trying to draw attention to himself by jumping and flipping in the air, but all of it yeah. landed. Don't worry, Golden and Globes s- have big plans for him. <laughs> yeah, did you see the? If, if you go back and watch the <laughs> this, which we'll talk a little bit more about this maybe later, but this Golden and Globus documentary about ca- their Canon Films days, there's actually a bit where they talk about him coming into the office every day to try and and see these guys, and like when one of them walked into the lobby where he was sitting, he jumped up and did this you know kick in his face, like missed his face by a quarter of an inch, and they're like 
I think we can use you, son. <laughs> Leave the girl alone. He's the American shithead who makes tricks with bricks. Guess the Kumite starts one day earlier this year, huh, fellas? Do you think there's a, a real chemistry between these three characters? I mean, I know we mock the acting, but do you buy them their their teamwork and friendship? Um, yeah, you know what? I think it 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 warms as it should. Um, there's tension all along. It's kind of interesting. I keep waiting for Special K to end up with Ozone, but it doesn't ever really happen. They just, you know, they're dance huggers, but they're not. Nothing happens past that. Uh, but yeah, I thought so. I mean, you know, look at the the montages at the beginning of the montages, and they're showing, uh, you know, Kelly trying to learn some of these moves. It's like they broke her arms before they had her do because she's moving so awkwardly. Uh, so you know, she had nowhere to go but up. I, I think that the the um, chemistry between Turbo and Ozone is really palpable. Like it, it you can tell that they like each other. Um, yeah, yeah. And I and it's fun to watch them dance together because they're so clearly enjoying themselves. I'd like to thank you for this award. It's the recognition of my peers that makes all those agonizing days of teaching Ozone everything I know. That's yeah, I don't just- want to stay here all night. Do you? Award winners don't push brooms. Oh, yeah? Why don't you go out and sweep, man? Who do you think you are anyway, Fred Astaire? Who? I think the fact that Brad, the uh, Kelly, and Ozone did become romantically involved, and you just said that they didn't, it, it indicates... I don't feel like they did, though, did they? I think they did, but but the chemistry between them is so not there <laughs> that you just kind of, you know, it just feels like just dancing team for the sake of it not or you know for it the- seemed very one-sided like ozone was clearly into her but she was like i think of you as a friend yeah no Let's i think there coffee. was there there was a little bit of like you know chaste kissing here and there i think i think they were supposed to they're, they're meant to be a couple but i think that there's nothing there's not much chemistry between them so you don't actually it doesn't read very well yeah part of the problem too is i recently saw the sequel electric boogaloo <laughs> I'm going to try to try to say it without laughing. And I sometimes confuse the two plots because <laughs> first of all, they're nearly identical, but I also, the whole, the whole romantic attachment, I think lingers on in that one too. I don't it know is. if it's a little second, bit stronger yeah. even maybe, but okay. Okay, good. Cause I, I hate to, I hate to be, I hate to have to go back and rewatch <laughs> it again just so I can get it right. <laughs> and, I, and I say that, I say that I, I feel like a total prick for saying that, that the trouble is man, trying to find these things online is a pain in the butt. You can find breaking on YouTube, but it's, it's right. broken into like eight different pieces because it's not streaming anywhere. And if you want to buy a DVD, it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. They're, they're unavailable, but electric two boog, let's make you say it again. Breaking two electric boogaloo. You can you can rent and buy that on Amazon Prime. So, oddly enough, that's available. That's like making Empire Strikes Back available, but not. Wait, did you seriously just compare Star these movies, movies to Star Wars movies? That's great. It's, a, it's, okay. it's exactly okay. like that. That's what you want to do. <laughs> and the, now that I think about it, the whole Luke, Luke Leah thing, the whole Luke and Leia thing is like the whole special K. You guys, if there was a special Orlando breakdance wow, show like The Mandalorian, I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, my mind is blown. I need to go lay down. I would watch. Can I just say one thing about Lucinda Dickey, just to 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 tie in the whole Golden Globus uh, Empire again? She was in Ninja Warrior Three, which I do remember watching on cable. And oh, so, yeah, so was, didn't she star in that? 
She was the star. Yeah, she was exactly. the possessed girl, right? Exactly. She was it. Um, which is that movie is a delight. <laughs> I, just, I just remember watching it at slumber party. <laughs> it's a full on trip. Is that, wait a minute, is that Ninja Warrior 3 Citizens on Patrol or is that Mission to Moscow? (laughs) Yes, I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. Uh, She gets possessed by a dead evil ninja. And she kicks butt and flips around all over the place. And then somehow they exercise the dead ninja from, the evil dead ninja from her. Some good live ninja helps out. So it's like the Return of the Jedi. It's like Return of the Jedi plus the Exorcist and metal swords instead of light swords. Basically, yeah. Oh, and I just okay. have to add, she was, she well, appeared, I checked out her IMDb page just out of curiosity. She also appeared in Grease 2, evidently. Um, she's listed as You people in your Grease 2 stuff. So now I like want to go back and watch Grease 2 again, only looking for Lucinda. That's what I want to do. So. Okay. Oh, you know what? There's the tie though between, uh, Grease 2 has Christopher McDonald too. It's like Six Shades of Lucinda Dickey. What is going on here? What is going on here? I'm not sure. <laughs> So the dancing. <laughs> Can we talk about something that was great in this movie? Let's talk about the dancing. There is, thank goodness, there's a lot of it, and um, not just the jazz dancing with the extremely creepy, I push you hard, but it's for a reason. Leisure suit wearing creeper. Uh, <laughs> he's terrible. I mean, just like talk about the creepy vibes coming off that guy. But the the street dancing and the the dance-offs and when Turbo goes out to sweep the sidewalk and dances with the broom. It's okay. amazing. Mm, it's okay. so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch. And the there's a point, and I was kind of, as I, as I do, I was on my phone while I was watching it, kind of writing down things as they occurred to me. And there's a point in one of the montages where Turbo, Boogaloo Shrimp, looks like claymation. Mm. He is moving his body in a way that it looks like he is one of those big rubbery dinosaurs in those you know bad claymation movies. And I'm like, that is so cool looking. He is so good. And again, just a reminder, he was 16 when yeah. he was doing that, when he was doing all of that. He, he's an amazing... He, I just think he, he's an amazing. So he actually taught Michael Jackson how to moonwalk. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. That's real. Is that real? That's true, true. true? Um, we'll, we'll mention it again later, but he there's a documentary, I think, on Netflix called Boogaloo Shrimp. And it's it feels a bit long because <laughs> they just keep going back to the broom dance a lot. <laughs> but, um, this summer, I watched the whole thing. And uh, yeah, Michael Jackson saw ba- basically was like Special K, Kelly at the time, going to Venice Beach and, and uh, saw him and said, wow, I got to learn some moves from this kid, literally kid. And Literally. Took him to a studio, changed his life, but also learned how to moonwalk from him. Wow, that's so cool! Yeah, that is nice. It, the, the dancing is something else. If I, I mean, it's it is fun. The the second is it the first? I guess the first club dance battle where they're up against their their bitter foes and they pull in a girl, and it's so like good. that's the part that I'm like, wait, you just add a girl and it's instant victory. You know what? Grab a girl, guys. Here's the thing: is that that first dance battle, and she came in. She is legit an amazing dancer. So by the second dance battle, when they throw Kelly into the mix, I was kind of like, you know, it's that thing where everyone reacts like they're the best, but really the audience is like, you're not the best. (laughs) Like, you know, I just, (laughs) I I think the other dancer is a much better breaker than Kelly was. So it's a little bit. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Kelly's still got a lot of jazz in her hands. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. All those flips. So many flips. Between the flips, though, let's talk about the music for a second. Because the music of this movie gets stuck in my head like like no other. And it just it, it burrows itself in there, you know, like a boar worm. 
No! Not the ballworms! Jen, do you, what, what do you think of the music from this movie? I love it. I love it. And it's, it's funny because I was getting Breaking and Breaking 2 confused also, but it was the music I was con- getting confused about. I was kind of swapping, you know, soundtracks in my head. But, um, of course, there's the, oh, this is genius, that they're doing the teach Kelly how to dance to this very slow groove of Ain't Nobody by yeah. Shaka Khan, which is so brilliant. I just think it... it uh, it changes it up, right? It's not a fast song. It's it's not a a, a heavy beat song. So there's Ain't Nobody by Shaka Khan, which, of course, Shabadoo winds up appearing in Shaka Khan's I Feel For You video soon after. Then there's Ain't No Stopping Us Now, which it turns out is a song from the late 70s by a, a duo called McFadden and Whitehead. And then I totally forgot until I rewatched it that Art of Noise is represented um, close to the edit is in one of the, the dance battle scenes. Yeah. Um, it's not on the soundtrack, but it's in the movie. Yeah, which is so good. Like, I just I love that kind of blending of hip hop and and uh, kind of alternative. is pretty cool. Yeah, Kraftwerk shows up earlier in it too. Uh, Tour de France. Oh, that's right. Kraftwerk is well, in the earlier obscure. scene. Yeah, right. and it's not obscure. No, no, I'm just saying obscure. You take for- it back. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, obscure for it to appear in this movie. Uh, maybe so unusual, unexpected. Choose your uh, choose your word. Okay, I like unexpected. Let's talk about the fashion for a second. Who thinks that this is a pretty accurate reflection of the fashion of the era? I believe it was the fashion of the era that I aspired to and fell very short because I was 10. But um, <laughs> but I, I love, love, <laughs> love the clothes in this movie. I love it. I love the like... So many belts, not holding anything up at all, like <laughs> various belt looks like the best is the one that's like kind of snug in the middle over your leotard. Not sure why that's there. But then my favorite look is the multiple belts oh, kind of loose over your parachute pants, um, often like studded with like, you know, silver studs or whatever. So, OK, so this is kind of funny. When I went on the 80s cruise the first time I had put together this little outfit that I loved and it was black and red. I had those loose kind of silver studded belts around my wrist, around my, around my waist. Loved it. Second cruise. I wore it again to the Sheila E show red pumps, like the whole red and black color story. Right. This whole time I had thought that it was kind of, I, I had been inspired. I had this sort of thing when I packed for the cruises, what would Debbie Harry wear? And this was an outfit that Debbie Harry would wear. Break In was on the um, movie channel, one of the movies you could watch like any time of the day or night. So that's what Lucy, my best friend Lucy and I did. We watched it a lot and we're watching it. And all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, that outfit wasn't inspired by Debbie Harry. That outfit was inspired by Shabadoo, who wears a similar outfit. <laughs> I mean, not the red pumps, <laughs> but like the whole like... He could have pulled it off. No, it's just, just that, just the, that um, kind of aesthetic. And I was like, oh my God, this whole time I, I was just breaking. I was just imitating breaking. It got, it burrowed in my brain somehow that that's Jen, how I. Were you wearing that when you danced on stage with Sheila E? Indeed, I, I was. 
I have that video clip right here on my desktop. Oh, fantastic. Why? That's, yeah, creepy. Oh, because I had shared it with you because I knew you would enjoy having it. Yes, no, I would appreciate that. Good recovery. Let's talk about the movie's reception for a second. I mean, obviously, it has an important part of 80s cultural lore, but it didn't perform that badly in actual life. When it opened on May 4th, 1984, it outgrossed 16 candles. At really? The- wow. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, though, too, that 16 Candles was what I think one of the first John Hughes movies, if not the first, or certainly his first big one. And so maybe it didn't quite have the buzz associated with it, maybe that breaking would have at the time. But, yeah, that's fair. But the film did in the, that weekend at the box office was $6 million. Take it. Yeah. Roger Ebert, the late, great Roger Ebert, who we often quote on the podcast. He did review the film when it was in theaters. He gave it one and a half out of four stars. <laughs> Not shocking, but I think his review is somewhat fair. He says, quote, There are going to be several street dancing movies this summer, and Breakin' is the first one. Sweet and high-spirited, and with three dancers who are so good they deserve a better screenplay. This is really two movies, a stiff and awkward story, Interrupted by dance sequences of astonishing grace and power, unquote. So let, let me jump in here. Uh, listeners will know that I am usually ragging on Roger Ebert pretty hard, but I could not agree with him more there. I, I couldn't have said that better, which is why he got to say it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was acknowledged to probably be good enough to already deserve a sequel. Hence, I believe one was already in the works. <laughs> And so Break Into Electric Boogaloo comes out. Was it the next year or at the end of this? It might have been later that year. It might have been later that year. I mean, uh, that's how fast Golden Globe has cranked out movies. Like, uh, yeah. Reshoots. We don't have time for reshoots. <laughs> Stunt doubles. No. Get out there. Do it. Go. Dance. Jen, did you like the sequel? I liked the sequel when I was a kid. And again, it was on cable constantly. But when I look back, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as good as I was remember it i guess i was less critical at the time but um but yeah it's it was still fun i don't know it it had that weird sequel veneer of like everything seemed shinier somehow and yeah there was more money in it but it didn't make it better i don't know it was fine the best part about it is it it was about saving the community center (laughs) right the entire plot is special k comes back from her now fruitful dancing career to visit you know, the old neighborhood and finds out that the community center is in danger of going under unless they stage the most spectacular dancing event ever produced. Yeah, there's some evil rich people trying to build a mall and that sort of thing. Oh, it's funny. I watched it this mall? summer. I, oh. I rewatched it this summer and I watched it with my 10 year old daughter who had never seen it and she liked it better than Xanadu, actually, no. which I thought was kind of interesting. But, um, That's kind of funny. Yeah, but I, I was telling her I, it was kind of fun to sort of inculcate her in the storyline of the community center like this was her first save the community center movie so i was telling oh. her i was telling her what do you think's gonna happen and she goes i think they're gonna save the community center 
<laughs> I was telling her, wouldn't it be so funny if there was ever a movie where they tried to save the community center, but then they didn't save the community center? And we thought that was kind of funny. There's anyway. got to be one out there. That's, right? that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, And then they lost the big game. Right. And everyone went to jail. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I watched a little bit of it the other night just because I could and it was there on Amazon Prime. And I, it's like I think shinier is a good way to put it. Like there's a lot of neon, a lot of neon, tons and, of neon. And you know, like I know, I know that people associate neon with the '80s. But if you go back, if you could, and believe me, it would be <laughs> enjoyable in some ways. If you could go back, you would not see that much neon. No, no. maybe in like the very end. Like the 89, you might start to see a little bit, but no one was walking around head to toe decked out in green, orange, yellow. And it just wasn't a thing. Right. Except for in Breaking 2, where everybody's right. wearing where, where everyone does it because they have to save the community center. And that's how you draw attention to yourself. Right. You look like a freaking freeway worker with an orange vest on. <laughs> so bitter about neon. <laughs> I know, man. This has this, this turned dark and I like it. The energy's getting a little weird. Sorry. <laughs> so, as we mentioned before, and as, as Ebert points out again there it is the first of many to come and so there were several street dancing movies that would follow and i will admit i've seen i've seen them all maybe once tops jen however is the expert so jen where does break and fit in along with the other uh hip-hop movies of the 80s well first i just have to say i'm the expert comparatively <laughs> so i'm not putting myself You're up the as expert who's expert. here with us i'm the present company um so i just wanted to to remind us all what hip hop was. So it started in the Bronx in New York City in the late 70s into the early 80s. And hip hop as a movement was actually a few things, right? It was breakdancing. It was rapping or what was called emceeing, DJing, which include mixing and scratching, which blew my mind when I first heard it. And then graffiti or, or tagging, right? So that's hip hop. Yeah. And so I think the movie that does it the best, in my opinion, came out also in 1984. And it's called Beat Street. Uh, produced by Harry Belafonte. And there was some actual actors in it. Ray Don Chong was one of them. But the, it's a good movie. I mean, it's really good. And it actually does talk about um, all those things, the dancing, the rapping, the graffiti, in the context of the poverty of the of uh, the Bronx and New York City at the time. So it's actually a really good movie. Uh, we talked about it before. Remember? Um, sure. A yeah. few Christmases Wasn't ago. On the, the sad Sad Christmas, Christmas movie. Because doesn't somebody die in this? Isn't there? Yes, yes. There's a third rail situation with some uh, with a graffiti artist. Yeah, Ugh. it's a bummer. But it's a great movie. It's really, really good. I recommend it. And then there was another one called Crush Groove, which came out a year later in '85, and that's supposed to be about the early days of Def Jam Records, right? So she, okay. Sheila E, was in it. Uh, she starred in it actually. Run DMC, Curtis Blow. There's some appearances by Beastie Boys. LL Cool J, they all look like in, 10 years old. In 85, the Beastie Boys had to be like middle school or They were old. young. They no, were young. No, because uh, License to Ill was... Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. License to Ill was in the second half of the 80s. Yeah. I'm an idiot. You're well, right. I mean, they're probably just out of their teens, I'm guessing. Well, because, uh, yeah, License to Ill came out in 80... I think it was out in 85, actually. Maybe early 86. Yeah. So that movie has a lot of plot and um, not as much dancing, but there's still some dancing if you guys remember, like there was still a lot of break dancing that sprinkled throughout movies, of course, flash dance, right? Um, sure. The end scene, which was very similar to the end scene in Breakin, where they impress the square white people at the table. 
you know, <laughs> making notes, I guess. But, uh, but in, in Flashdance at that big end, uh, scene where, where, um, Alex has her audition, she's, she, in quotes, is breakdancing, spinning on her, on her back. And then you can totally see it's just a dude wearing a curly black wig. Like <sighs> that person's body is just much bigger <laughs> than, uh, than Alex's. And then in Footloose, the big dance scene at the end, there was, oh, um, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, talking all of those all those kids that lived in a town that, where you weren't allowed to dance, they had some pretty good moves. Such good dancers, right? And then uh, speaking, you mentioned earlier, Brad, the tall white dude, but the tall white dude was doing some great break dancing in that. He was. Movie, I thought, and then I just have to put an honorable mention in here. There is a movie called Fast Forward, which was directed by Sidney Poitier, that my best friend Lucy made me watch this summer with her. So she's in a different state altogether. So we were like. FaceTiming and watching the movie almost at the exact same time, which is so frustrating. <laughs> but um, we're watching it and it's basically about these quote teens from, I don't know, middle America who go to New York City to make it big. It's sort of the grease attitude toward casting here because everyone looks like they're at least 30. And <laughs> and they go and they are a, a dance troupe and they do the jazzy dance hands and all that stuff. And then they wind up learning how to break dance from the city and it's not a good movie but it's really bad good okay or good bad sure your- it's enjoyable it's an enjoyable bad it movie. is it is and it's again i don't know if i mentioned but it was directed by sydney portier so it was sort of like this older established gentleman's idea of street dancing which is kind of funny oh fun you know what else is kind of ordinarily bad and sad but good the, the seggies It's time for I Want My Mystery TV Theme Song. It's the uh, segi where we play a snippet of a TV theme song from the 80s. I'm laughing because I already know how bad this segment's going to be. Uh, and if you get it right, you're entering into a drawing for some swag, most likely in the form of a postal-friendly bottle opener. So, yes. I will mail them out. First, I have to fix my mailbox. Some jerk snapped off the outgoing mail flag off my mailbox. Oh, no. I know. That's bad. Uh, yeah. We can overcome it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did this. Yes, that's the theme to Bad Cats. say yes like people are gonna know what the hell you're talking about there's a re- exactly bad cats uh in case you didn't know it and you probably didn't <laughs> was a police drama that aired on abc uh in 1980 on friday nights at 8 p.m because you always put your best content <laughs> on a friday night at 8 p.m i think that's when the matthew star show was on among its stars were uh steve hanks and michelle pfeiffer in one of her first major roles. <laughs> the producer's like, Steve Hanks? I said Tom Hanks. It's, uh, it's, it could have been Larry Hanks. So, yeah. Anyway, the acronym BAD CATS stood for Burglary Auto Detail Commercial Auto Thefts. <laughs> oh, that is tortured, tortured, tortured. And then as an engineer, I know a thing about acronyms, and that's not a good Yeah. Thing. Burglary, I can't even say it. 
burglary, auto detail, commercial auto thefts. I should use that as a vocal warm-up for the podcast. Hmm. I like saying. it. Anyway, they did 10 episodes, only six were aired, and then the show is thankfully put to, out of its misery. You folks will now be put out of your misery because nobody got it right, as far as we can tell. I, I guarantee you somebody somebody tried to, to get it right, and, and I'm somehow forgetting their name. But as far as we can tell, nobody got it right. I, I, I didn't find any record of such a human existing. Not even Chris Cooling. Ooh. He has been busy. He's been busy, and 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 he's gonna be pissed that I actually called him out. But Chris Cool, no, Chris Cooling is is cool, and as as his right name implies, the name. <laughs> and uh, he he normally always gets these. I don't. If he did not get this one, I do not blame him a bit. We will not torture you with uh, it any further. Rather, we will supply a new theme song. <laughs> you don't get to hear the uh, the the spinning wheel sound effect this show though. That's kind of uh, well, you know, live and learn. Okay. Anyway, pay attention. Here's the new theme song to try to decipher. <laughs> If you know it, email us, Chris, at podcast at sitadies.com. <laughs> hey, you know what we haven't done in a while? We haven't played uh, What's Your 80s Obsession? Jen, what's your 80s obsession? My 80s obsession is kind of related to today's topic, which is, I guess you can call it dance. You can call it fitness. You might call it dance fitness, but I'm a big, mm. to no one's surprise, Zumba fan. Love the Zumba. During these pandemic days, I've been doing Zumba on Zoom or uh, YouTube. My 80s obsession is going on YouTube and just putting the words in 80s Zumba. <laughs> And so much fun stuff comes up. Um, <laughs> what's fun is like it's often people around my age, around our age, who play the good stuff. And then sometimes you'll also get like a, a younger person, you know, wearing a lot of neon <laughs> and and putting triggered right exactly. But but you know what? It's it's okay. I, I just it makes me happy that somebody is appreciating eighties. Sure, and sure. I, it's really fun to move around and get sweaty and listen to music I love. Yeah, it keeps me going. It keeps me going. 80s Zumba videos is my 80s obsession. That's awesome. When you when you said Zumba, I I got all excited at first because I thought you were saying Zuba, the you know the the multicolored pants that were so popular in the 80s towards the end of the decade. You remember? Oh, uh, I thought maybe she was talking about Zima videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interpretation but, going on right now. Well, it's it's like it's really cold in Florida this weekend, and so I'm wearing. I have one pair of Zuba pants, and I I wore them on the cruise one year. I remember those pants. They're really comfortable. And if they were more That's socially... That's a shame. <laughs> I'm wearing them right now because it's in the 40s here. My 80s obsession is, is apparel related as well, I guess. This, this is a story about the about future wife. I torment her with stories about my youth from time to time. Kind of like, like I do um, on the podcast. You know, I, I'm always telling some crazy story about something that happened to me you know, 40 years ago. Well, Yeah, we're just warming up for the retirement home. <laughs> When yeah, this is tr- trying to keep my cognitive skills uh, finely tuned. When I was growing up, I spent a couple of years in Ohio. This was pre eighties, because my mom's family's from Ohio, so we we lived in Columbus for a few years. As you can imagine, with my fondness for nostalgia, I love museums, and e- even as a young kid, I loved museums. And there was a museum in downtown Columbus called the Center of Science and Industry. I think just about every big town has one now. A lot of times they're called like the Museum of Science and Industry or it's sure. It's one of those hands-on 
museums, you know, where you go around, there's exhibits, you know, you touch the ball and your hair goes flying in, you know, you know, kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. Back before STEM was a thing, we had uh, museums of science and industry. <laughs> right. So Columbus had the Center of Science and Industry, which was called COSI. We all called it COSI. And when you were a kid in attending public school in, I think it's Franklin County, anyway, you would always have a field trip every year, at least one field trip to COSI. And I, I it was always like the highlight of of the year to me. And then if you were in a Cub Scouts or Y Indian Guides, you would go there and you'd spend the night, you know, the night at COSI and stuff like that. And it would be the greatest thing in yeah, the world. Yeah, good times, yeah. I was telling future wife about it. And, and the big souvenir you would get from there was like this little thing of coal. Because they had what – they had this <laughs> – I know. Let me explain. <laughs> and we got coal, kids, <laughs> and we liked it. You – there was an exhibit called Yesteryear, and you went down into this elevator into the basement, and the entire they had this whole like retro town of yesteryear of what what Columbus looked like, you know, in the eighteen hundreds or whatever. And first, and there, there was no sun; <laughs> we're <laughs> underground. Well, if you've we ever been to Columbus, if you're ever in Columbus these days, there's no sun there either. Now it's the, it's the Midwest; there's there's never any sun. But <clears throat> the um, you go down into yesteryear, and they they have like a replica coal mine, and you know, like a saloon and all this kind of stuff, and the coolest thing I thought to get as a souvenir would you, you could buy in a gift shop was this thing of coal. It said Kosai on it. And That's so funny. I That's had one awesome. For, I had one for years. I think I finally got rid of it when I went to college because it was just like, it was going to become one of those things that at the time would be too difficult to explain my fascination with. <laughs> and, and, and 40 years <laughs> and later. <laughs> so I'm telling her about it. You know, and this was like five months ago or whatever. And Christmas morning comes exchanging presents and stuff. You know, I open up this present. It's a t-shirt. And I don't recognize it. And I turn it over. It's a T-shirt from Kosai that she – Now, Kosai, as it exists today, the old Kosai that I love so much isn't there anymore. It, it, they mm. moved into a new facility in 1999. So the logo has changed and all the stuff. She went and found all the old logos of the original Kosai that I loved so much Aww. and turned it into this shirt. So the front of it has the logo for Kosai, Center of Science and Industry, real super retro 70s logo. And then the back has a little photo of of yesteryear with the coal mining exhibit on the back. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so cool. So she found this old website that's dedicated to the the original Kosai, and it's oldkosai.com. And that's where she found the graphics to build me this T-shirt. And oh, that's so cool. Like, that's so cool. I've worn it around for like a week now. It probably should be washed. So, <laughs> yes, <know>. wash it. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the uh, Zubas. Yes. The graphics are the special part, so, not the smell. <laughs> get a little misty here. All the dust in the room. That's anyway, very um, sweet. Brad, what is your 80s obsession? Uh, it's funny. I was going to go with the T-shirt as well. Apparently, Radio Shack is back in business. Someone bought the assets and is selling stuff online as Radio Shack, and you can get a T-shirt with the original or the '70s Radio Shack logo oh, on it. So, yeah, I I have one of those. That's cool. Pretty excited about Very it. Cool. Since someone already did a T-shirt story, I'm going in a different direction. And someone already uh, did dance fitness story. So yeah, you know, I was going to talk about the Zumba thing, but <laughs> no. Um, yesterday, for about five hours of the afternoon, I played Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. Just like in the 80s, except now over Zoom. (laughs) And it was great. It was so much fun. I know it is a total, you know, like a nerd touchstone, and that's fine. Judge me if you must. I don't mind. But it's just, you forget how fun it is to, you're basically, uh, this is just going to sound so dorky. 
you're telling a story together. You're basically making up this narrative as you go. And it was really cool. I had a great time. It was like five hours went like nothing. And I got to eat like a whole bag of taco Doritos. That was my next question. And what did you eat? Now that I'm older, I drink beers instead of root beer. And <laughs> it was great. I had a great time. I'm really excited to play again, hopefully next weekend. Fun. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what kind of Doritos? My character is an elven rogue, yes. And uh, it was taco-flavored Doritos in the retro bag. Oh, those are the best. They're so good. They're so good. Those are the best. We have more to say about the movie Breaking, and we'll do it right after this commercial break. When that sun breaks out, lift up your head and shout, it's gonna be a great day. Kellogg's waits for you, that spirit come shining through, promising you a great day. How could you think of Star, this white new morning, without your K-E-double L, always double good with Kellogg's, you'll have a great day. Kellogg's has been making great days for more people for more years with more cereals than anyone. Corn Flakes, Rice Krispies, Frosted Flakes, Product 19. Trust your mornings to Kellogg's. Very best part of Star, your right to morning is Kellogg's way. It's not far away, Kellogg's will help you sing. There's gonna be a break, we're gonna see a break, it's gonna be a great day. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. If what we've told you about the movie Breaking and Breaking Two and the hip hop uh, dance movie revolution isn't enough, we want to give you some some other resources to go to. We've uh, got some homework for you, listeners. Maybe you should do some research. Jen, what do you recommend people go to? Uh, well, we mentioned a couple before, right? So one is called Electric Boogaloo: colon, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Film. So this movie's a hoot. It's so much fun. You should oh totally gosh. watch it. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really get the kids out of the room. <laughs> yes, that too. A lot of boobs. <laughs> um, yeah, for a documentary, I'm like, hello. <laughs> right. Um, and then the other documentary we mentioned was Boogaloo Shrimp documentary, which is just kind of fun to see. Just the talent, right? Because that's the that was the best part we were saying about breaking and breaking two was the dancing, and so you you can, I would I would maybe advise you you fast forward some of the talking because there seems to be quite a lot of it, but the dancing is unreal. There's a lot of fun old video too, which is great. And then the other thing I have mentioned before, uh, but it's worth repeating, is there's a documentary series on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution. And season one just breaks down this like late 70s, early 80s time period really, really well. So I suggest Hmm. that. There's also a, a dramatic series on Netflix called The Get Down. And it came out in 2016. It's directed by Baz Luhrmann, like Moulin Rouge Baz Luhrmann. But I have to Mm -hmm. say, I was so disappointed because Mm. it's all the things that I should love, but it really was kind of lame. So don't watch the get down. I mean, give it a shot. Maybe you'll like it. But I watched two episodes and I was like, done. But Hip Hop Evolution season one is really, really, really good. And then if you're, if you're a reader, um, there's a book by Jeff Chang called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. A history of the hip hop generation, which which kind of uh, ties it all together too. Nice. The Canon Films documentary again. It's a crazy ride. The thing that made me laugh the hardest is at the end they put up a slate like we approached Golan and Globus to ask them <laughs> if they would be interviewed for this documentary. They declined and turned out their own documentary, <laughs> which was released three months before ours. <laughs> it Classic. was so on brand. It was just so perfect. Yeah. The ultimate breakdancing battle 
again. Yeah, they won that dance battle. <laughs> hey, we hope you enjoyed the show and the look back on breaking. Uh, please check out the soundtracks when you get a chance. They're not the easiest to find, but they're out there. The, the movie itself is on YouTube in eight different parts. And again, Break to Electric Pookaloo is available for rental and for purchase on uh, Amazon Prime. But in the meantime, we'll still be dancing ourselves because we're hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. I don't know why. <laughs> Breaking. Do you want to do another one? Bill Moyers over here. <laughs> and that's the news. <laughs>